Welcome to the Faith in Maine podcast. I'm Katie Clark, your host. We are sharing stories of life and faith and ministry across our 58 churches, 18 summer chapels, Camp Bishopswood, three Jubilee centers, and ministries that make up the Episcopal Diocese of Maine. In this podcast episode, we continue with our series on the themes of Listen, Connect, Adapt, and Hope, all themes selected by Bishop Brown for us to focus on in the next year. In this episode, we focus again on the theme of adapting, and we speak with a special guest. Our podcast guest for this episode is the Right Reverend Glenda S. Curry, Ph.D. Bishop Curry is the 12th Bishop of the Episcopal Diocese of Alabama and the first woman Bishop of the Diocese of Alabama. She was invested as Bishop on January 9, 2021, in the midst of the global pandemic. Enjoy this conversation with Bishop Curry on the theme of adapting. So with us today is the Right Reverend Glenda Curry, PhD, who is the 12th Bishop of the Episcopal Diocese of Alabama. Bishop Curry, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, I'm delighted to be here. As you might know, Bishop Brown focused on four themes in his convention address last year, listen, connect, adapt, and hope. And we're spending this podcast season doing a deep dive on each of those themes. So today we are here to talk about the theme of adapting. So Bishop, first let's talk about scripture. Can you share with us uh, any scriptural references where adapting might be important? Uh, yes. In fact, when I think about Jesus, uh, his entire ministry was about adapting to what he ran into. One particular segment uh, that really uh, I think of every time I think about adapting is when he's on the road and he is approached by um, Jairus and asked to go and heal his daughter. And he, he stops what he's doing and he heads that direction. And then before he gets there, he's interrupted by the woman who touches his garment and he stops and heals her. And in that exchange, he says, he calls her daughter. And up until then, she has been on the outside of everything that uh, has been going on in society. And he was the last person that she would expect to get close to. And when she did and she touched his garment, he stopped and healed her and included her, which was a huge turning point in his ministry. And then he goes on after that and takes care of the little girl. In fact, does his greatest miracle by raising her. So you see uh, a pattern of adapting. And then there's another story uh, where he encounters a Syrophoenician woman and in that story, he has a pretty good idea of what he thinks he's supposed to be doing, what he's about, <clears throat> and it does not include her. And she interrupts him, and, and uh, as someone told me, it's the only argument in scripture that Jesus loses. Um, and so he stops, he listens to her, and then he realizes in that exchange that his ministry includes more than he expected. It's almost like he finds another piece of himself in that exchange. And so I've always thought of those two stories. Maybe it's because 
they both involve bringing women into what otherwise would be a pretty narrow ministry. But I think mostly because it reminds me that God is in the interruptions. All the things that I think I'm supposed to do, God is in the interruptions uh, repeatedly every day. And so I like to think I just go about trying to do the next right thing and that God is in all of it, but yet reveals God's self in some of these exchanges when I'm attempting to adapt (laughs) to whatever life brings my way. So I'm a big proponent of living one day at a time, uh, sometimes one afternoon at a time, one morning at a time. So those two scripture passages really work on me all the time. I love that. God is in the interruptions. Isn't that so true? And, mm-hmm. and moving from one day to the next and to the next, just as you can and watching for those God moments. I love that. Yes, I think so. I think that's what makes it an adventure. Absolutely. Life is nothing but an adventure. <laughs> Truly, yes. You've had lots of adventure, right? So you've, you've faced a lot of firsts that might be cause for adapting in, in your life. You were seated as a bishop in a pandemic. I'm sure that, was not, that wasn't planned for for any of us and unexpected, I'm sure, for you. You're the first woman bishop in Alabama. And sadly, in June, your diocese had to face the unimaginable, which is a shooting at St. Stephen's in Vestivia Hills, where three, ch- three church members were murdered. Yeah. I want to I name them because it's always important to do that. So Bart Rainey, Sharon Yeager, and Jane Pounds. Thank you. Thank you mm-hmm. for saying their names. Absolutely. We, we honor their memories as we, as we go through the days and as we have this discussion, because that occurrence is something that none of us ever expect or want to have happen anywhere in, in our environment, in, in our churches, especially. And so all of these things that I've named in your time as Bishop or even before, how have you had to adapt to changing environments and situations? How might that theme of adapting really resonate with you? Well, you know, it's hard for me to think of my time as bishop without thinking of how many adaptations we've made. We've, we've, st- you know, I, I remember my very first meeting uh, to talk about the consecration ceremony, which to me, the whole thought of, of that was pretty overwhelming. And we gathered in a room at one of our larger churches trying to decide if we should go to the Coliseum or to the you know field house and because we thought it would be a large huge event and so we gathered and in the room were all the principals who wanted to be part of the planning and uh, I left that meeting I left the musicians inside to talk about the music and I left thinking uh, that I didn't know how I would manage all those people and all those decisions and then ultimately within the next three weeks, the whole thing changed. And I had fewer people in the building at the ceremony than I had in the planning meeting uh, when when it finally rolled around in June. So I would, you know, the message I got was uh, stick around, this is all gonna change. Uh, And I think in reality, that is more 
that is closer to God than what we tell ourselves on the days when we think we're in charge. When I'm moving through my day and I'm praying a lot, to me, that is, that's a safer posture than if I'm rolling along pretending that I know what will happen next. So that, you know, when I think about just the consecration, but then post that, the pandemic, how many times we went up and down, we, we issued guidance, we changed our guidance, we, we uh, began to try to find the sweet spot between too much control and not enough, uh, not enough guidance. Um, so we, we worked really hard to find that. When we finally found it, we found it when we said, y'all need to figure out what you need to do on a daily basis and we're going to pray for you. <laughs> and that works better, better than any of my great advice. I would say, though, that the shooting at um, the terrible tragedy at St. Stephen's moved us all to a, a new level of listening, listening for God. That evening will always be indelibly placed in my mind as a turning point for the diocese, for the church, and for certainly for those lives. Uh, those were such dear people, pillars of that community, even if they had not been pillars, even if they'd been just visiting, it would have been the same. But that evening, everything screeched to a halt. All of our planning, all of our bright ideas, everything stopped. And what I noticed when I looked up standing in the intersection was that the parking lot of the Publix was filled with clergy and people from all of our churches in Birmingham, representatives from almost everyone standing there and praying, people from up and down the street praying. And as I looked around, there were little groups of people huddled and they were praying. They weren't spectators. They were participating by asking for God's help. And when we finally did get to each other uh, in, in the, in the uh, St. John's Annex across the street from St. Stephen's, which was probably about nine o'clock that night, the shooting happened around six. And we all gathered in there and what we wanted to do was hold hands and pray. So I think that if I had to say what's the key to adapting, it would be uh, building a life of prayer and realizing that it begins with prayer. And that sounds like something that's easy to say and hard to do, really, in practice. We're, we're an undisciplined breed, human beings. Uh, so, so that, to me, it was the key because... We all began to pray and everything we are doing still with St. Stephen's as we help them, um, support them as they move through the healing process in the diocese and in that parish, it all begins with prayer. And what's amazing to me is that if you look at Barton and Sharon and Jane, their lives were uh, riddled with grace, but also laced with prayer. So we're just following their example. Uh, and one of the reasons I like Luke's gospel so much is that Jesus 
does a lot of praying in Luke. Uh, he prays in all the Gospels. Let that be recorded. But, but he prays a lot in Luke. One of the last questions that we always ask on this podcast, and I think you've, you may have already given us our homework, is we always ask for some homework or action steps in terms of how we can get better at adapting or coping with change. And I'll ask you that question, but I'll also sort of insert what you just said that it sounds like it starts with prayer. That should be our homework. I think so. I think a discipline and it has to be because when you start leaving out a discipline, you invariably create something less effective. So a discipline of prayer every day uh, and then at this, just surrounding yourself in that as much as you can. And if you look at the life of Jesus, that's really, you know, at the heart of everything that happened to him, what ultimately gave him the freedom to follow was the life of prayer and the fact that he kept the main thing, the main thing, following uh, the will of his father was uh, what he sought to do in all things. And so that, that to me is one of the gifts of crisis is that you go to the core quickly. If you don't, you, you don't really do very well. <laughs> but if you're in a community of faith, you can lean on each other. And maybe I will say the same thing to you on a different day that you said to me the day before. And that's the beauty of the body of Christ, which is why we need each other. One of the gifts of, of the crisis that we just went through was that I heard from so many of the bishops in the House of Bishops around the world in our church uh, sent me emails, text messages, and every one of them mentioned that they were praying for us. So to me, that's the gift. We forget it when we're not in crisis that, that I'm praying for the church every day, you're praying for the church every day. The church is us. Um, so that, that to me is one of the gifts of, of having to adapt in the crazy world we live in. Wonderful. Thank you so much. We appreciate having you here today on the podcast. We're delighted to share this with the world. Thank you for listening to the Faith in Maine podcast, brought to you by the Episcopal Diocese of Maine. If you like this podcast, please leave a review and rating on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. That helps us spread God's word even further. Thank you.